0: Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, and there's, of course, a lot of verses here in this portion of Ephesians that we can look at, but at least to begin, we're just going to look at two, um, two verses, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and verse 15, amen, amen, praise God. So here the Bible says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. One more time. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Amen. Would you bow with me again and let's pray. Father, the words that we find here in this portion of your Bible are so, so important, not just to us, but they are so important to you. And what they're saying to us and what they're revealing to us and what they're communicating to us goes beyond our ability to comprehend apart from our being strengthened with might by your Spirit in our inner man to receive these things and so father we humbly now before you ask that you give us wisdom and revelation tonight today, today that you help us to see uh, deeper and more clearly into the truth of these things than we've ever seen before we ask father by your holy spirit that these words these truths your scriptures renew our minds recondition our minds to a new way of thinking a new way of looking at you and our relationship with you and ourselves and one another and that our lives be transformed through that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Bible teaches that God created us, and I know that the whole concept of creation is one that is uh, hotly debated and contested in our world today. I think for born again believers, that's kind of a no brainer. In other words, we we agree to that, we believe that. The Bible says we understand that um, by faith. Amen, by faith. And and that simply means something on the inside of us that God put there, giving us the ability to hear His Word and believe it, has connected with that. And while it still may pass our ability to rationalize or come to a conclusion through logic, um, we understand by faith that we were created by God. Now, that's extremely, of course, important. Um, Hebrews 11 and verse number 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God, and those who come to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so what we're talking about now are, I don't, wanna, I don't like to use the word l- lower levels of faith, but... I am talking about something that is maybe like an entry level, an entry level. Um, in other words, it's, it's where faith begins, but we need to progress beyond that. Um, I mentioned this morning at the beginning of the service that some of the things I confess over myself on a regular basis is that um, Father is um, emotionally connected to me and that he is eternally committed to me and that he's enthusiastically concerned for me. Another thing that I confess is that my life is not my own to do with as I please. And then yet another thing that I confess is that he is the potter and I am the clay. I go on to make this statement that he is infinitely more to me than a potter and I am infinitely more to him than a lump of clay. But that's where our relationship began And I can never afford to lose sight of that. Because that is an expression, that is an expression, that is a confession of what the Bible teaches is the fear of the Lord. It's to recognize who I am. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. It's to recognize who He is and who I am in relationship to who He is. That's really what worship is. We mentioned worship before the offering. Worship at its core is when you recognize who God is and who you are in relationship to Him. Now, James tells us that the devils believe there is a God, but they tremble at that. In other words, that's not like a, it doesn't mean the devil's saved because he believes there is a God. He acknowledges that there is a God, but what he does not acknowledge is who he was in relationship to who God is. That's where Lucifer, a former archangel, uh, rebelled against God and of course fell from heaven like lightning. So when we talk about this entry level, believing that God is, believing that God rewards those who diligently seek Him, but then also believing that God created us, all of these things are important beliefs. Believing that He's the potter and that we're the clay. Again, a, a right thing, a righteous thing for us to believe. But God did not just create you so that He would have some clay to put on a wheel. He didn't create you just because He was trying to make some pottery. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, th- that is a very fundamental, uh, basic uh, beginning point for our understanding of God, our reverence of God, our, our 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 fellowship with Him, our respect for Him, but if if we never progress beyond that into the deeper things, um, some other examples or other ways the Bible would words the Bible would use is we've got to go from the milk of the Word things that are easily ingested, things that are easily digested, things that are easily processed, to the meat of the Word, which means a a, a higher form, a higher level, a higher concentration, a higher density of, of spiritual nutrition, which means it's going to be harder to swallow, right? It's going to be harder to receive. It's going to require some effort on our part to chew it up. It's going to take more on our part to swallow, to digest, and to get the good, the benefit from the meat of the Word. Hebrews 5 talks about people who've been in church for, for years and years and years and years, but they're still only sipping the milk. They're still only, you know, drinking the milk. They're, they're, they haven't progressed beyond that. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, um, that God doesn't love them. Um, but they're they're still at an entry level. They're still at still at a a beginner's level, um, you know. And, and Father wants us to grow. He wants us to grow up in uh, to Jesus. We we were talking about this a little bit in discipleship class the other night. And 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 when, you know, when my children were born, I, I loved it when they were infants, um, and so cute and so precious. And and um, but I also enjoyed it when they could go to the bathroom by themselves. And, and, you know, when it wasn't just a dream of, of throwing a football uh, to John Mark, but he could actually throw it, catch it, and throw it back to me. And, and had he never grown up into some of these other things and some of these other experiences, then I would have never been able to enjoy things with him that, that, that I planned to enjoy, long to enjoy, dreamed of enjoying, even before he was ever conceived. And so when we talk about our growth and development, there are things beyond what we're experiencing right now that Father God has prepared for us, not we'll prepare, but things that He has prepared for us, things that He's already seen you and Him doing together, things that He's already uh, put in place for you to step up into. And, and, and enjoy greater levels of provision, greater levels of effectiveness, greater levels of enjoyment, greater levels of peace and joy and contentment, fulfillment, meaningfulness in life. Again, all of these things are things that you were born into when you were born again. So let's go back to it. The, the, the milk of the Word is, is needed... Absolutely, positively needed. And, and even when it comes to milk, the Bible says that, that, that newborn Christians should desire that milk so that they might grow from drinking it, from, from taking it in and processing it and, 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 and applying it. But we can only grow so far, we can only grow so much on the milk of the Word. If we're going to go into these greater things and and deeper things of God, it's going to require a greater concentration of of spiritual nutrition, understanding, amen. And and that, I guess, would be a a simple way of explaining to you um, what uh, is meant by the meat of the Word. Um, One of the uh, things that the Bible uses there is that we become more skilled in the Word, becoming more skillful in the Word. Um, and, and again, that's a part of, of growing and maturing in the things of God. Now, what we've been talking about now for several weeks is um, when, when we say, just naturally speaking, that's hard for me to swallow, what, what we're really saying is, that somebody just told you something that you're not sure you can believe. So, somebody just told you something that, that you're not sure is right. So, somebody just, you know, you know, told you something that happened to them or, or something that was going on or whatever, and, and you're like, man, I just, maybe you don't use that expression, but I'm just, I'm trying to tie it in here where we say, you know, that's, that's, that's hard for me to swallow. In other words, I'm not sure that's right. I, that, that's, I can't. I can't really, you know, ingest that or digest that, all right? Now, let me, um, praise God, L- let, me, let me see if we can say it another way. When God first began to reveal to Abraham his destiny, Abraham's destiny, um, it, it was so much um, for Abraham to take in that, it staggered him. It was staggering to him. Um, As a matter of fact, there were parts of of what God revealed to him as his destiny that were literally, not figuratively, literally laughable to uh, Abraham in those days, Abram Abram, and and Sarai. They later became Abraham and Sarah. Um, God changed their names to reflect the transformation that He was bringing in their lives. But when they first heard these things, um, they sounded so extreme, they sounded so far-fetched um, that it wasn't just that they couldn't swallow it, that they laughed out loud at God, and, and, and in God's face we could even say. Um, but nonetheless, we see that as they, as they grew in faith and became stronger in faith, what once was a staggering thought to them Became something that they could embrace, and eventually uh, became something that um, they uh, experienced in their life reality. Jesus said it this way uh, towards the end of his earthly ministry in the Gospel of John. He told those closest to him, "I still have so many more things to tell you, but my this is the New International Translation. But you can't swallow them right now. There was, it was things even beyond." The things that Jesus had told them. Now, if, if, you, if you put this in context, Jesus had already told them a whole bunch of things that the body of Christ for the vast majority in, in today's world has not been able to swallow yet. Right? and there was things that he told them, how about he told them in John 14, the works that I do, you'll do also in even greater works than these. I mean, there's still a whole lot of folks in the body of Christ today. That they, that's laughable to them. They, they research and dig into every uh, Greek definition that they can find, every, every angle they can try to dig out to, uh, you know, uh, come up with another translation. But the bottom line of it is that's the translation. That's exactly what Jesus said because it's exactly what he meant. So if Jesus would say things like that, if he would say... Um, if, if those who receive me receive my Father and those who receive you receive me because me and my Father are one and you and I are one, if He said those things, and again, we're, we're having a difficult time you know, taking that ball and running with it, so to speak. And then He says on top of that, there's still other things. There's still more that's even above and beyond what I've already told you that you're in no position to, to receive you're you're in no position Um, it's listen to me please and I man Holy Spirit help us okay it's it's not that the disciples could not have listened to what Jesus said made some notes about it and repeated them back that's not what Jesus was talking about he's we begin this branch of our study this year with the Holy Spirit saying some very simple words to us, You got to get this, you got to get this, you got to get this. He wasn't saying you've got to take some notes about this and be able to repeat it back. That's 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 not what he meant by getting it. He's talking about it he's talking about you Receiving it, you putting forth the effort that's required on your part to chew this up. To 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 um, the, the 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 word when it's mixed, saliva and digestion starts in the chewing process, right? Um, and and you and you chew that up, and then you you swallow that, and it's 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 harder to do. And and here's amen. We a lot of people get stuck because. If you, if you drink milk long enough, your system doesn't know what to do with meat. Right? And, 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 and it's even harder for you to digest because you, know, you hear anything above the, the milk level and you think, yeah, you know, there's, that's just no way. Or it just sails right over your head. So when we talk about the things that we've been talking about, and when He says you've got to get this, He's he's talking about, and He's saying to us, the part that, that we have to bring to the table here to lay hold of these truths. One of the word pictures that's painted in the book of Hebrews is that of someone... If you've ever taken like a beach ball or something in, a, in, a, in the ocean or, or in a swimming pool, and, and you've gotten on top of that, and, you, and you're trying to hold it under water, and of course, you know, the, the air in the beach ball, it's, it's wanting to come back up out of the water. And so you have to stay on top of it. That's one of the word pictures with the Greek words that, that speak of holding fast your confession. It's, it's not just saying you know, that you confess something out of your mouth. It's talking about you laying hold of it and, and, and you staying on top of it and you not letting it slip away from you. You not letting it fly. You, know, you hold that thing, hold that thing, but if you slip off the top of it, man, that beach ball all of a sudden, and then it's halfway across the swimming pool. So he's saying, don't let it be stolen from you. You stay on top of this. You hold on to this until it becomes a part of you, Till it becomes a part of your personality. One of the characteristics of the last days is the Bible says that people will not endure sound doctrine. See, you can grab a cup of milk on the road. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? You, you, you can drink milk, but it, it, you, to, you know if you're going to have a steak, it's, it's hard to eat a steak while you're driving or you, you, on the fly. You've got to get a fork in one hand, a knife in the other. It, it's it's, it's going to require more effort on our part. Um, but the rewards, oh, thank you, Jesus. The rewards. Now, I said all that to say, when we look at the Scriptures, we see, first of all, that God created you. Now, I want you to believe that. You've got to believe that. I mean, you've got to believe that He is. You've got to believe without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But where I think our faith needs to progress is after we've established that God is our Creator Father. The next very important line of development for our faith... I think needs to go to the for what purpose did He create us? In other words, I'm not saying that that believing He created you isn't important, but I am telling you that believing that alone is not enough. I'm not... Listen... hear me, there are people who can believe God created them and still go to hell. That's, believing God created you is not what it takes to receive salvation even. To receive salvation, you've got to believe the God who created you, sent His only begotten Son to this earth, right, as your substitute, died in your place, became your sin, and that God the Father raised Him from the dead. You've got to believe that in your heart and then confess that out of your mouth in order to be born again. That's why I went back to that passage in James a moment ago. The devil devils believe things that that some, you know, humans struggle to believe. A lot of humans struggle to believe. And and there, are, listen now. I'm not. There are things that devils believe that even some born again Christians struggle to believe. Hear me now. That doesn't mean the devil's saved and they're not. But I'm just telling you. So God created us. But for what purpose? To what end? What was the desire in his heart that motivated him to put forth such an effort to commit himself to the responsibility of creating all of us, and thereby obligating Himself to us, making Himself vulnerable, opening His heart up to us. When I say that He's emotionally connected to you, you can make him smile and you can make him sad. You can cause him to uh, you know, draw a circle around you and say, look at my girl go. And you can cause him to be brokenhearted by the disappointments that we've all caused Him. It, it's, he's, he's, he's not just some abstract being on a throne somewhere that created you and me as some toy or some experiment. So you can believe God created you but, and, and believe that. I mean, Solomon believed that it was all just some trick, some joke some cruel hoax. And that's where he was in his thinking. Of course, we know he, he wasn't right about that. He, he had made some bad choices and, and was dealing with the fallout of all that in his life, and, and, and yet those were the things that he said about life and our existence and our creation. That, that's not it, right? So you're not some toy, you're not some experiment, and you're not some pet. God didn't create you to be a pet. Some of you in here have pets. Some of you in here have pets and children. And you understand there is an obligation where both are concerned, but there's a tremendous, it's it's a much larger obligation, a, a tremendous amount of responsibility more compared to a child versus a pet. God didn't create you as some experiment, as some toy, or as some pet. And He didn't create you to be a fan. He didn't create you to be a fan of His. He didn't create you because He needed a whole bunch of people who could tell Him how great He was. He knows how great He is better than any person in this room knows how great He is. We sing about his greatness for the next 48 hours in a row without sleep, drink, or or food, and not even come close to scratching the surface of his greatness. This idea that he needed somebody to tell him how great he was—see, that, that that's uh, such a a humanistic application to an understanding. Because see, we think, we think that somebody praising us, stroking our, our uh, egos and telling us how good we are, and, and we somehow translate that as to why God created us. The only reason we're here is to, is to be His fan and, is to, and is to tell Him how great He is. Again, that is absolutely not the case. Now, there are people who have those opinions. There are people who ascribe to that line of thinking, but they're wrong, and, and you say, well, Pastor Mark, how, who are you to say they're wrong? I'm not saying they're wrong. The Bible says they're wrong. Because the Bible tells us what God had in mind when He created us. I used to years ago think, well, He created us knowing that He was going to receive blessing from and, 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 and benefit and good from some of us and, and, um, and hurt and pain and rejection from the rest of us, but somehow by the time it's all said and done, um, you know it'll, it'll come out in the wash and more people will be a blessing to God than, than a pain to Him. And, 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 and He knew that, and so He just you know, took the plunge and created us. Again, I used to think that, but if you read the Bible, it, the Bible doesn't bear that out either. The Bible says the way to God is very straight and very narrow and very few find it. But the path that leads to destruction, and by the way, He's not willing that any be destroyed. He's not willing that any perish. But many are being and many do. The Bible says wide and broad is that path that mankind follows. There's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. There's a way that seems right, but it leads to death. But there's a... Narrow way that leads to life, and few that find that. So even then, you, you, you can't even say that in the end, more people... No, no, see, that, that's not even it either. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what, you, you sound all philosophical and all that. No, no it's, this, is, this isn't about philosophy. It's about truth. This isn't about opinion. I'm not opining up here today. This isn't about my opinion. It's about the Holy Spirit giving you and me the strength that we need in our inner man to comprehend in a greater way why we're here. What this life is really all about. Why did He create us in the first place? Here's here's what the Bible says. First of all, God... Created you plain and simple. He created you to love you. For some folks, that's too easy of of an answer, but that is the, the bottom line. God created you with the desire and the expectation, number one, of loving you. He is love. You were created by love, for love, to receive love, to give love, to be loved, and to live love. Love. God is love. God is love. But we also see that God created you for the purpose. Of giving himself to you giving himself to you I can show you half a dozen scriptures on all of these I'm just we've done that and we will continue to do that I'm trying to get you to see the bigger picture this morning why did he create us if it's if we're not an experiment if we're not a toy if we're not a pet if we're not a fan Created you to be His child. A son, a daughter. And to mean as much to Him as Jesus Himself means to Him right now. He created you with the desire and expectation of loving you, of giving Himself to you. And the Bible plainly says He's withheld no good thing from you. And He spared not His only Son where you and I were concerned. So He created you with the desire and expectation of loving you. He created you with the desire and expectation of giving Himself to you. And He created you with the desire and expectation of being one with you. Being one with you. God is one God. In three persons, one God. One God in three persons, three persons, one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. say, Pastor Mark, I have a hard time trying to wrap my head around that. You will because your head doesn't know what to do with it. You have to understand it by faith. But the reason it's so important for us to put forth the effort to understand these things by faith is because they give us insight into the very reason we exist. A three yet one God created you and me to make us one with them, one with Him, one with God. When we say one with God, we're not just talking about one, we're talking about one God in three persons. The one God in three persons that we know, believe in, and serve created you and me to join us into and make us one with the three persons that are the one God and make us one with Him. That's why he uses terminology in his Bible, he uses the word us, not just in reference to God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We see that in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. And after our likeness, the us and our there, that is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who in Genesis 1 are talking about themselves, one God, as an us. In John 17, Jesus is talking to God the Father about sending the Holy Spirit, and He's including you and me in that prayer, and now He's talking about all of us as us. Requires some chewing. Got to chew on this. You got to meditate on this. Meditate is is to um, spiritual food what chewing is to physical food. You got to chew on it, man. You got to chew on it and then chew on it some more. And then chew on it some more. And you, and you may chew on it so long, you said, man, I still can't swallow this, Pastor Mark. Well, guess what? Come on, come on back tonight, and we're going we're gonna to cut another piece off. We're going to chew on it some more. Notice now, because here, here's, thank you, Holy Spirit. As you chew on it, you may not be swallowing at all, but you're swallowing parts and pieces. you swallow swallowing the juice off the steak, and it's, and it's kind of like milk, just tastes different. And if you'll keep chewing and if you'll keep swallowing, if you'll keep trying, if you'll keep chewing, you're getting a little more of it and a little more of it in your system. And now your belly's starting to figure out, man, this is good. This is more, this is more nutritional. This, this is more than just a, a quick burst of energy. But man, I can run a lot further on some protein. Right? You don't, you don't have to believe this, and I'm not trying to be like all... Up in your face when I say that. I'm, I, I'm, when I say you don't have to believe this, it's not about you believing something that I don't or whatever. So I probably shouldn't even use that expression. But if this sounds unbelievable to you, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not offended. But I genuinely believe that Father God, through the Holy Spirit, showed me that this is this teaching. This truth of of our oneness with him it is the most precious it is the most near and dear truths to his heart you say well what what about all that with with Jesus dying and and people hearing that and getting born again now, all that's important but all of that is a necessary means to this end he sent Jesus to that cross to be stripped, naked, beat almost to death, become your sin and my sin, also that we could have the opportunity to let Him love us, also that He could have the opportunity to give Himself to us, also that He could have the opportunity, should we choose to respond to Him, to be one with you, to be one with us. He created you with the desire and expectation of loving you giving himself to you being one with you and here's the last one and filling you with his fullness by literally not figuratively literally sharing all that he is and all that he has with you now I felt led to write that in that way, sharing all that He is and all that He has with you. That's a little easier to swallow than what that really means. Because what that really means, all that He is and all that He has, that is, speaking of the doxa of God. And the doxa of God, all that God is and all that God has, is translated in our English Bible, correctly so, it is translated the glory of God. The glory of God. So again, God created you, with the desire and expectation of loving you, giving Himself to you, being one with you, and filling you with His fullness by literally sharing with you His glory. Now I know some of you are like, well, hold on a second, Pastor Mark, the Bible says God will share His glory with no man. That word glory there is talking about credit for what He did. The doxa of God is different from that. Singers musicians, if you would, please come. The doxa of God is not talking about credit for what He's done, but in a sense, in other words, why are we righteous this morning before the throne of God? It's because Jesus became our sin for us and then gave us His gift of righteousness. He gave you and me credit for what He did right, and took the blame and the punishment for what we've done wrong. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In John the 17th chapter, and we'll look at this tonight, in John the 17th chapter, Jesus said, Father, the glory that you have now filled me with, the glory that you have now given to me, I give to them. I give to them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Let me pray for you. Father, we bow before you this morning. You are the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the father of our elder brother. You are the father of our Redeemer. Because He is one with you and we are one with Him, we have now been made one with you in Christ Jesus. The whole family in heaven and in earth has descended from you, Father. We are your offspring. We are your offspring. Father, I pray now again in the name of Jesus to you that each one of us listening to this message, viewing this message, would be strengthened with might by your Holy Spirit residing in our inner man to lay hold of and comprehend the reality of these truths in our lives. Father, that Your people, called by Your name, named by You, born of You, born of Your Spirit, born of your seed that your people would begin to step out and step up into the truth of who we are and the realities, Father, that come with this new level of understanding that we would commit ourselves to these truths. That we would commit ourselves to hearing Your Word and hearing Your Word and hearing Your Word for faith by hearing and hearing by the Word, Lord, where these things are concerned. That Your people, Father, would fight the good fight of faith and not allow the enemy to come in and steal this Word from our hearts because... We haven't put forth the effort to chew it up and try to understand it, to see what this might look like applied to our lives on a daily basis. Help us, Father, by your Holy Spirit, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's sing together before we're dismissed. If you'd like to be prayed for this morning, we'd be happy to pray with you. Be happy to agree with you. Let's cry out this morning to the one from which we've all come, from which we've all been born, from which we've all been named. Thank you, Jesus.